Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold the Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gun dog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force Free Gun Dog Training: The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazon's everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force Free Gun Dog Training. And I hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months. We'll see. That's all for now. Let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the whole Christmas special thing that I'm doing. This is 15 minutes today on the subject of my dog doesn't recall in certain situations. Train your gun dog without force or fear. Motivate and educate. Hold the line is here. Prevention, repetition, generalization, motivation. Hold the line. So I actually, surprisingly, maybe haven't talked about this particular subject very often on the podcast, but there are a couple of episodes that you might want to check out. They are episodes 82 and 87, where I talk about the recall in certain different situations. So look, the thing to say about this, I often have people email me about my online course, The Reliable Recall, which, by the way, is available on my site, forcefreegundog.com. And People sort of say, well, look, my dog generally has a really good recall in the vast majority of situations, but my dog won't recall away from other dogs or my my dog won't recall away from a game or my dog won't recall if there are sheep or my dog. So there are specific situations that the dog is not does not have a reliable recall under. And people want to say, do I still need this course? Do I still need to take the reliable recall course if there are just certain things that my dog doesn't recall away from? Surely I don't need to do this whole course from scratch. And I always have to explain to people that, that yes, you do. You do need to do the whole course. You need to do it from scratch because of the way that we gradually develop things and we proof the recall away from distractions. So the reliable recall course, as it exists on my site at the moment, begins with what we call the elastic recall exercise and that progresses to a sort of come away from distraction exercise where we use incredibly tasty food as a distraction and we teach the dog to come away from that incredibly tasty food in order to get a reinforcer of equally tasty food from the person who's recalling the dog. And then it goes on with further exercises involving further distractions and so on and so forth. But the point is that it's very progressive. So it begins with no distractions indoors and it progresses gradually. It progresses to the garden and it increases the level of distraction that we're recalling the dog from and so on. And where things go wrong is when people skip out chunks of this. So they kind of have a sort of reliable recall in the house and then they don't understand why it's not working if their dog starts to chase something and they try and call the dog and the dog doesn't come back and then they're a bit you know perplexed by that so so yes you have to do the whole thing if you're going to do the reliable recall course and that is what i recommend as well by the way so sometimes another question people people have is you know should i not just do the focus and attention course or should i not just do one of these other courses um and no it is the reliable recall course that you need because that is the behavior that you're having issues with so this is the first thing to say 
The other thing to say about the week all, there are a few little kind of, well, actually, there's so much to say about the week all, actually, but let's just kind of pick out a few things that might not have been said at other times. So sometimes people want to use the recall at times when a recall shouldn't be used. And all that does is weaken the recall. So by the recall, let's just define this. So by the recall, I mean either the whistle cue, which by the way, is usually four or five quick pips on the whistle, like pip, 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 or mine's five actually, pip, 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 pip. Um, By the way, if you have multiple people going out with the dog, make sure everybody has their own whistle and everybody understands the correct number of pips. Because Adam, who often takes my dogs out, <laughs> does does not as many pips. I think he only does about four pips. And we often have, um, I wouldn't call them arguments, discussions, heated discussions about whether that was four or five pips. But anyway, make sure everyone's got their own whistle and make sure everybody understands how many pips they should be doing. But yes, the whistle cue, the recall cue is either the whistle or it's a verbal recall like doggy come, doggy here, doggy this way, whatever. So, by the way, when you're choosing a verbal recall, I suggest you don't just have a one syllable word like come here, something like that, because it tends to just get lost um, when you call it. So if you're outside and you go come, just kind of gets lost a little bit. It's just one syllable. Um, it's hard to do a sing-songy recognizable recall with one syllable. So try and have something like your dog's name and then a cue. So Fido come, Fido here, Fido this way, something like that. So yeah. That's about cues. Anyway, so what I'm trying to say is people sometimes will use these cues at times when a recall would not be the recommended behavior. So I'll give you an example of that. So, uh, I don't know, someone's dog is sniffing around a few meters away from them and they want their dog to give them attention and because they're, they're ready to do training and they want the dog to come and engage with them. And I often see this in the class context. So if I'm if I'm teaching a class of people and I'm talking to someone and their dog is kind of... I don't know, on the end of quite a long leash, sniffing around. And I say, okay, let's just have a look at your heel work then. And they need to get the dog's attention back on them in order to be able to show me some heel work. What they will often do is go doggy here or whatever their little recall phrase is. And I always kind of wince a little bit when they do this. And I think the reason that I wince is because the treat that they produce or give the dog, if they give the dog one, is is just the regular treat that they had in their hands anyway for the recall for the so for the heel work that they were about to show me. So they'll just give the dog a little bit of cheese or a little a sausage or something. Not a recall treat. And I think it's really important that the recall is a special behavior and it always is reinforced with incredibly special, tasty treats. That's the first thing to say. The second thing to say is that sometimes when we're doing this, the dog doesn't respond. And if the dog doesn't respond and continues sniffing, what does the person do then? They repeat it. Doggy here, doggy here, doggy here, doggy here, many, many times. Um nagging the dog until eventually maybe on the seventh doggy here the dog eventually wanders over and is half-heartedly given a crappy treat so you know all of this is just in so many ways not what we want when it comes to the recall so we want the recall phrase to be a special cue um and the whistle as well to be a special cue which the dog really recognizes we want that cue to be associated so many times over with extra super duper amazingly tasty treats and i'm talking about things like sardine gourmet wet sardines gourmet wet dog food um pate um what else is there um some dogs really like soft squishy um cheese like philadelphia or something like that soft cheese um but usually soft squishy things work best and my theory as to why that is is it 
the flavor comes out more when the dog puts it in their mouth. The flavor gets all around their mouth and they really taste the thing. Whereas if you just give your dog a chunk of cheese or a, a bit of hot dog sausage, they don't really chew, do they, dogs? They just kind of, it's just down the hatch. So they don't really experience what it tastes like. So I think when you when we use soft, squishy stuff, it really gets around the taste buds. The dog really experiences it and is kind of wowed by it. So that's what I like to recommend for the sort of recall treats, as I call them. And in terms of practicalities in administering these treats, I like a sort of a screw top flask. Um, there's one made by Addis, A-W-D-I-S, and like a, a, a toddler spoon, basically, a kind of rubber toddler spoon to take a scoop of this squishy stuff and feed it to the dog. And the good thing about the Addis screw top flask is if you've got deep coat pockets, you can easily put one of those in your coat pockets and make your treats mobile um, quite easily. And it's quite, you know, you don't get messy hands or anything like that. So, you know, I've experimented with various things over the years. Some people want to use little plastic bags um, or squeezy things, which you can squeeze into the dog's mouth. I tend to find that either things are a bit of a palaver in terms of preparing them and make a lot of mess in administering them. Um, or it's just not very eco-friendly. There's a lot of kind of plastic bag use involved and that kind of thing. And the, I really like the Addis flasks because you just put them in the dishwasher and they're yeah, just really great. And all round things. You can get them from Amazon, by the way, Addis flasks. All right. So that's a few essential things to say about the recall. Another another situation that people use um, the recall in, which I find, you know, I, I wish that we people didn't do that, is again, um, if the dog's out in the yard and they want to get the dog to come in because, um, I don't know, they want to give the dog their dinner or something like that. Sometimes they'll use the recall phrase then, and sometimes they don't immediately give the dog the dinner. They faff around, and they do lots of other stuff before finally getting the dog their dinner. Or maybe it's not even dinner time at all, and the dog's just going to come in, and that's it. They just gave up the freedom of the yard, and that's it. So don't use your recall phrase kind of half-heartedly. Don't use it when you're not going to provide an extra tasty treat. Don't use it when you're not going to go out there and get the dog's attention after the very first repetition of that cue to, you know, make sure you get the response that you want after you've given that cue. Um, and yeah, those, those, these things are just all really important things to uphold while you're training the recall. Now, another thing to talk about here is the recall off game idea, which I've talked about in another podcast episode and recall in particularly challenging situations. Like, I don't know if you've got a dog which loves other dogs and they want to go and um, chase after other dogs and that kind of thing. So the thing to say here is you need to build up the level of distractions that you can call the dog away from and you need to be creative in your th thinking about how you proof this stuff. So there's a lot of work that you can actually do in your house. So if there are two of you, you can have one person, for example, wafting tasty treats around the dog's nose, but not letting the dog actually eat them, but just wafting them around or the other person calls the dog away from those treats. The beauty of this is that if the dog ignores the recall and doesn't come away, the person wafting the treats around can remove them, put them behind their back, put them up in the air and just stand really still and be a statue. And the person who called can go out with the treats and get the dog's focus on them and then run backwards to where they were a few paces. So you get the behavior that you cued after having cued it once. You can also have that person, instead of with treats, you can have them waving around toys or interesting things. I don't know, squeaky stuff, stuff which the dog maybe isn't usually allowed to have, but which they really want. So you can have that person just be being a clown as a person, you know, fooling around, playing with the dog, encouraging the dog to jump on them, um, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, basically being as interesting as possible and see if the recaller can call the dog away from that. Again, if they can't, you need to either gradually dial up the level of distraction so that you start with something the dog can be recalled away from 
and you gradually dial up the interestingness of the distraction as the dog is able to respond, um, or you need to make the distraction freeze completely while the recaller goes out with their treat, puts it on the dog's nose and reverses backwards and practices getting the dog's focus off the distraction and back on to them, because that's what this is really all about. So, okay, so those are two things you can do in your house. You can also do things like if you if your dog if you've got a dog which really likes um, flirt poles, for example, you can use the flirt pole as a distraction as well. You might want to do that in the yard where you've got a bit more space, but you can have one person playing with the dog with a flirt pole and the other person recalling the dog away from the flirt pole. If you're going to use flirt poles or tuggies as distractions when you're practicing your recalls, you need to make sure the dog doesn't actually get hold of them because if the dog bites onto the tuggy or bites onto the flirt pole thing on the end, then they're recalled, they are able to ignore the recall and choose to just stay biting the thing. And you you then have a little situation where you all have to kind of freeze the the this sort of um, toy play and you have to get the person who recalled to come out and get their treat on the dog's nose, encourage them to let go. It just all is a bit of a palaver. So it's a little bit better if you can just through skill and manipulation not let the dog get hold of the toy and just use it as a distraction most of the time if the dog does get hold of the toy then maybe don't recall at that moment let the dog have a little game and when the toy comes out of their mouth then you can resume the recall exercise so those are some things that you can do then you need to move on though into the real world and you need to start to find some distractions that are kind of natural distractions, environmental reinforcers, as it were, as I like to call them. So they might be things like, they could be livestock. So you might, you know, find a field that's got sheep in it or cows or horses or whatever you want. You might be able to find a place that's got other dogs, but you know that the other dog is going to be on leash. So they're not going to come up to you. They're going to be safely on leash. And at this point, you really want to have your dog on a long line so that you can prevent your dog from going up to their horses or cows or whatever it is or other dogs. And you can grab that long line and, you know, if you need to take a few steps backwards to help the dog disengage from whatever it is that they're interested in and make the choice to come to you to get your tasty treat. So this is a really important step and you want to just work it really, really well. The thing is, when it comes to this, and this is the same for the sit to flush as well, is that people sometimes avoid the things that they know their dog struggles with. So for example, if you've got a dog that likes to chase rabbits, a lot of people will just think, okay, where are all the places around me that there are lots of rabbits? Can I just avoid going to those places? Let's just not go there. Let's go somewhere else where we're not going to bump into rabbits or whatever. And so forth with other dogs and, you know, so on. Now, the thing with that is it's great while it works, but at some point you're going to run into a rabbit or another dog and all hell's going to break loose probably because you won't be expecting it and you won't be prepared and you won't be ready. So you need to get many steps ahead of your dog here. You need to deliberately think about where can I find this thing? Where can I find my nemesis? Where can I find rabbits? Where can I find other dogs? Where can I find the thing that my dog loves? But make sure that this is done in a controlled way. That means if it's other dogs that they're going to be on the leash and, you know, if it's rabbits, obviously they're not going to be on the leash, but if if it's rabbits that your dog is going to be on a long line, so you can prevent your dog from being able to chase them and you can work on getting the behavior that you want. And sometimes the more that you can do this, the better. So if you just have an exposure to one rabbit, for example, sometimes that can just mean you get a crappy response because your dog was so wowed by the rabbit and you don't have any more opportunities to practice and to, you know, habituate the dog to to the experience of seeing a rabbit running away and the dog not chasing it and the dog sitting. So it can actually be helpful to go to a rabbit pen, for example. So that's another controlled environment. You can find rabbit pens, at least in the UK, at gun dog training 
um, places and you can usually hire the rabbit pen by the hour. So you can go in there with your dog. You can get lots of reps of rabbits flushing. It's best if you go in with another person. So you can have another person find the rabbits for you and put them up. And you can just work on the dog being steady at first. That is the ideal. Um, so, so yeah, so hopefully I've given you some things to think about here with your recalls, everybody. Yeah, I think the other thing to say in terms of more information and some kind of progressive training is you can check out, as well as the episodes that I've mentioned, 82 and 87, there's also an episode on food motivation that you might want to check out on my podcast. I can't remember what number that is, but if you just look back through the previous episodes, you'll see it called food motivation. That's quite an important one for getting a reliable recall, particularly if you think the reason that you're not getting a reliable recall is your dog's attitude towards food. And you can find there's a section in my book, Force Free Gun Dog Training. There's a whole chapter on the reliable recall, and there are some diagrams showing you the exercises that I've talked about here as well. So, so that's an important one. And then, of course, there's my online course on my website, forcefreegundog.com, where there is 40% off all the courses on that website until the 2nd of January using the code Happy Holidays 2023. So that's Happy Holidays. 2023. And that should give you 40% off any of the courses on the website. And obviously the one that's most relevant here is the Reliable Recall course. So I hope that helps everybody. And I'll be back tomorrow. Hold the line.